Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. What do you call a, a fish with no eyes? A fish. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from APM American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. You just got a joke from arty party rocker Forrest Day. Love that. That'll help break the ice, me too. And coming up, filmmaker Miranda July, the water guns of Brixton, a stolen smile, and video games. But first, small talk. All week long, you've been hearing this. Another sell-off on Wall Street today. There appears no end to the brutality of the Syrian government. The governor of Texas, Rick Perry, to enter the race. Now for something you haven't heard, we are speaking with Adam Felber. He's a writer for Real Time with Bill Maher and regular panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Adam, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, I'm going to be talking about youthful criminality in England, but not Obviously, the riots, because that's that's not good. No, no, Brendan actually saw that. I was just there last week. There were helicopters flying overhead in the East End. It felt like L.A. That, mu- <laughs> that must have been. That, it must have startled you as you stood there with a rock in your hand. <laughs> it was blew my hoodie off. <laughs> Brendan is not a criminal, but what? So, so, so here's another guy who's not a criminal. There's this 20 year old kid from Colchester in England who was arrested for organizing a water fight. Whoa. Like water pistols? Like a fight with water pistols, and uh, he organized it on Twitter and Facebook, and he got arrested. So English cops are on pretty high alert, is what you're saying. They're on extremely high alert, and, uh, you know, I think the first rule of Aqua Fight Club is that you don't talk about Aqua Fight Club on Twitter. (laughs) Clearly. Well, I was going to say, if you're in England and you want to have a water fight, then obviously something's wrong with you, right? Because there's constantly a water (laughs) in daily life in England. (laughs) It's coming down at you all the time. So maybe they're on to something, the cops. Adam Felber, thanks for the small talk. It's a pleasure. And now, time for cocktails. With the water back. With the water back. Yes. Once again, we tell you something that happened in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history's the ocean, but it's being fed by a melting polar ice cap made of gin. Wow. Very. Global warming, not all bad. Uh, in that instance, yes. We just need a giant floating line. <laughs> anyway, here's the history. This weekend marks the 100th anniversary of the most infamous art theft in history. Michelle Philippi has the story. Stealing the Mona Lisa was supposed to be impossible. At least, that's what folks thought back in 1910. The head of French museums at the time said, quote, you might as well pretend that one could steal the towers of Notre Dame. Turns out he was completely wrong, because a year later, an Italian named Vincenzo Perugia simply hid in a Louvre closet one night till everyone left. Then he grabbed the Mona Lisa off the wall, tucked it under his coat, and walked out. No one even called the cops until the next afternoon. It was a scandal. For two years, French cops went on a wild goose chase. At one point, they thought Pablo Picasso could be the thief. And they might never have found the painting if Perugia hadn't tried to sell it to an Italian art dealer for 500,000 lira. He was arrested on the spot. The Italian courts didn't exactly throw the book at him, though. See, Perugia claimed he was avenging Italy's honor that the Mona Lisa should be back home in Italia. Never mind that he'd tried to make half a million bucks from the theft. To Italians, he was a hero, which might explain why the guy who stole the Mona Lisa got just a seven-month sentence. 
So that was the history. Now for the drink to serve with it, I'm speaking with Francesco Roccato at Bar Fusion in Florence, Italy, where the Mona Lisa was finally recovered. And Francesco, what drink did that story inspire? Hi, how are you, everyone? Uh, we're going to do a beautiful uh, cocktail today. It's called the Mona Lisa in Florence. Well, of course. <laughs> made with champagne. It's made with uh, Alkermes, which is a typical uh, red liqueur from Florence. Alkermes? Alkermes, yes. It's been invented or brought to life by Caterina de' Medici, the queen of France from the Medici family. Interesting. And uh, also it's made with orange juice, champagne, orange juice, and alkermes. Sounds like alchemist, you know, magical. It could be. There is some magic, yes, for sure. Uh, <laughs> it was not easy to bring back the Mona Lisa from France to Italy. Uh, we needed some magic. So we, we hid Mr. Perugia into a closet in the Louvre Museum, and then he was able to escape with the painting. <laughs> kind of like a yeah. bunny rabbit in a magician's hat. There you go. <laughs> wow. And, you know, the proportion for the cocktails are actually uh, two-tenths uh, alkermes, uh, two-tenths uh, orange juice, and then the rest is going to be champagne. champagne. So it's actually mainly a champagne drink, sort yes. of celebratory. Yes. We're going to be celebrating art today. We're celebrating, yes, art. Speaking of which, actually, I was wondering, are you near the famous Uffizi Gallery there in Florence? So, you know, actually, I live about uh, 20 yards from the Uffizi. So let me ask you, would you put this drink in the Uffizi next to, say, a Botticelli? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it would be hard to frame it. That's but why right. not? It sounds like a masterpiece. It is. Just come over to the Florence and enjoy the cocktails. And if you're lucky, you might find the Mona Lisa because I might never went back to the Louvre. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that the rumor that you kept the real one and sent a fake back to France? That's right. You never know. We might send the copy or something. But don't say it to anyone. Eh? Don't say it to anyone. Okay. I won't tell anybody. Yeah. You know, as an Italian, we, we keep our secrets to ourselves. That's right. And, Brendan, a little more about El Kermis. Uh -huh. Francesco told me in medieval times they would crush bugs into dust and use that to color the liquor red. Oh. For real. <laughs> so it's like the original protein chip. <laughs> Bug juice. With a kick. <laughs> uh, folks, you can find that drink recipe featuring the modern insect-free El Kermis on our website. It's dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is writer, performance artist, 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 director, Miranda July. She has a new movie out called The Future. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm going to edit that part out, but I do that anyway because it's awkward not to. Um, so what's it like being Miranda July these days? Well, you do a lot of staring out of this window, looking at people swimming in a pool. and um, You stare longingly at those folks in the pool? Well, I... I'm amazed that they're not concerned about sun damage or getting burned. Um, my next thought is, could I get on one of the pink floaty things, like in my skirt and blouse, without getting wet? And I've had a lot. I don't think I could. This is radio. We could pretend you're doing that right now. Right. No one will know. Okay. Whoa, whoa! I'm all careful. False. Splash. I should point out that we're in a hotel in Hollywood, and there are people sunbathing right outside, but not us. Um, and I'm here to interview you about your new movie, The Future. And I was wondering if you could tell me what it's about. Okay. It's a simple one. Right. I'm the worst at this. I managed to get through the whole process without ever being good at describing it. Um, it's about a couple who's getting ready to adopt a cat. And 
this shifts their perspective about time and space. That's not even accurate. That's sort of accurate. I think the problem is that the things that I make, like the stories are often kind of boring or even a little kind of clunky. So that any sort of grace or excellence comes more from the inner world of the characters um, and, and how that's shown. So it doesn't work at the pitch level. No, it didn't. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So you play the main character, Sophie, and she, like you, is 30-something from L.A., but that's kind of where the similarities end, right? Because she seems to be paralyzed creatively uh, in other parts of her life, um, unlike you. Right. That's true uh, to some degree. Yeah, it's like I'm, I got married while I was making that. You know, I, uh, but then again, like I'm usually trying to show my inner world, you know, which I don't have to be literal about. I don't have to create the same outer world to have the, my inner world. And so inside it's pretty Sophie-like. There's a fair amount of paralysis or fear of paralysis. And I could go through her whole journey of like, failing and then giving up on herself and then fleeing her life and her soul. And I could do that in like two seconds, just in my mind, you know, um, through like a panic attack. So, so sort of slowing that down and really acting it out in real time seemed interesting. It seemed like if this is the kind of thing that you're going to like, uh, sort of hurt yourself with again and again, mentally, yeah, maybe it's like worth getting into. Well, we have a couple questions we ask of every guest on our show. And uh, the first one is, what question are you tired of being asked? There's so many of them. <laughs> where to begin? Uh, where do you get your ideas from? Always seems like I'm just whatever I say is going to be a lie. You know, that's like a real reach for me to even respond to that. Um, Why? Because they just come so readily to you and you no, it's just like more existential than they know that question, you know, and, and yet I'm supposed to give like a, well, I just sit at this one bus stop and like whoever walks by, you know, I don't know what the expectation is, but I, I always seem to fail it, I think. Our other question is, tell us something we don't know. Okay. <laughs> this is something I'm really glad has never come out. And in fact, there was just this big article in the New York Times and they refer to my childhood name as Mimi, but they got it wrong. That isn't your childhood name. Yeah, my childhood name was Mandy. <laughs> really? Yeah, which is so embarrassing. Something about it just seems like when my when my husband really wants to sort of get my goat, he'll call me Mandy Grossinger. <laughs> and Grossinger is your original family name, not July. Yeah, although my given name is Miranda, but, you know, there were a few years a lot of years where I was Mandy and then I was like, wait, I have this better name I should be using. When I was like eight, I think I reclaimed Miranda. Thanks for revealing your true identity. Now that you've said Mandy, I feel like I understand you a lot better now that you're a Mandy from... It's all, all my mystique is gone. I'm just Mandy. And you know, Rico, my father has this thing where he only calls stars by their original names. Like, like movie stars? Or yeah, so like North by Northwest will be playing and he'll be like, Archibald Leash. <laughs> or, uh, or like Tangled Up in Blue will come on and he'll be like, Robert Zimmerman. So this is good takeaway information for exactly, him. Exactly, exactly. But it still doesn't explain why he calls me Harold Lipschitz. <laughs> like every time I walk in the room, Harold Lipschitz. Odd. Uh, 
folks. That's the dinner party download for this week. At least that's what we think the show is called. Thanks to Jackson Musker, Chris Clark, Peter Clowney, and Ellen Gettler. And now we leave you with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner party. The singer's name is Lana Del Rey. Was, was she a star in, like, 1952 mm. movies? No, she takes her cues, though, from people from the 50s, though. Yeah. Despite oh, yeah. the fact that the song is called what? Video games. Bon appetit. Swinging in the backyard, pull up in your fast car, whistling my name. Open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game. I'm in his favorite sundress Watching me get undressed Take a body downtown I say you're the bestest Leaning for a big kiss Put his favorite perfume on Go play a video game It's you, it's you, it's all for you Everything I do Tell you all the time Heaven is a place on earth with you Tell me all the things you want to do I heard that you like the bad girls, honey Is that true? It's better than I ever even knew They say that the world was built for two The old stars living for the fame Kissing in the blue dark Playing pool and wild darts Video games He holds me in his big arms Drunk and I am seeing stars This is all I think of Watching all our friends fall In and out of old claws This is my idea of fun Playing It's you, it's you, it's all for you Everything I do, I'll tell you all the time Heaven is a place on earth with you Tell me all the things you want to do I heard that you like the bad girls, honey Is that true? It's better than I Better than I ever even knew They say that the
I'm Rico Galliano. And I'm... You know, honestly, I've, I have no idea who I really am. Oh, it's okay, Harold. 